Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Conscious Human Experience with your host, Casey Singh. So today we have a special guest and we're going to be doing an interview style, you know, authentic flow, conversational style podcast. So on today's episode, I have a very special woman. She is a Reiki master and an intuitive coach. If those words are foreign to you, don't worry, we will dive into what a Reiki master is and what an intuitive coach is. Um, She primarily helps women heal their trauma, mental health, and physical pain. And having a conversation around trauma and soothing big emotions isn't new for her. And that's exactly why I knew that she was going to be a great contribution to the show and ultimately deliver a great message to the world. I mean, how often, you know, do you, do you ignore trauma? How often do we as a world ignore trauma and how are we even taught to talk about it or learn about it? Right. These aren't skills we're taught every day. So I just knew that having um, this guest on our show would be a great contribution. So on today's show, let's talk trauma with Janine Bozer. So thank you so much, Janine, for being here and welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to open this conversation. Exactly like you said, how often do we actually talk about this kind of stuff? (laughs) Not very often. Exactly. And I mean, I know that whenever we get into a field of work, like for example, you primarily focus on trauma, there's definitely a story behind it. There's a why, you know, and I I love that stuff, especially with the conscious human experience. We're always sharing stories that lift up humanity and bring consciousness and awareness to life's greatest challenges. So I'd love to hear, how did you get into what you do? Yeah, no problem. It's like you said, everyone has a story and oftentimes the greatest healers come out of the greatest traumas because we're searching for ways to help ourselves. And that's what really started my journey with, with trauma healing was I was about 13 when I first was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis. And for anyone who's unfamiliar with that, it's a disease of the large intestine. So I was 13, 14, and 15 having major surgeries, life-changing operations, um, going through a lot of medical trauma and I missed school. I missed most of my grade nine year. I missed my friends. I missed like an entire year of my life because I was sick. And not only that, but I had been through this crazy experience that I didn't know how to share with anybody else. There was nobody else my age that knew how to understand me. I felt like I grew up immediately within those few months of being in hospital. And from there, it started this whole cascade of health effects, the long-term side effects of having surgeries, of going through trauma started to come forward. So around 19, my parents had been divorced. I didn't have a relationship with my dad anymore. I had developed severe depression. I didn't know what that was. I started having anxiety attacks a few years later and panic attacks for the first time in my life. And I kept going to my doctor and asking, what is wrong with me? What can we do? how do I fix this? And we tried a few medications. I know medications typically only work for like one in three people, but we tried that route. And for me, we tried so many and it just never seemed to help. It ended up so bad that I was going back and the doctors eventually just started recommending like peppermint oil or your blood work looks normal. It all looks fine. You should, should be fine. I said, but okay, you're telling me I should be fine, but I'm literally in bed six or seven days of the week, unable to function. I'm going through university, struggling, trying, how am I going to be an adult one day if I can't even get out of bed when I'm in college? 
And that's what ended up taking me down the road of naturopathy was finding someone else that maybe could help me just look at things from a different point of view. So we started with changing my diet. Um, that completely shifted my life. I mean, having colitis and dealing with the intestinal tract, you'd think someone along the way would have said, you should try changing your diet or being careful with what you eat. But it wasn't a conversation. It was just, you're alive, go home, live your life. So thankfully the food really started to, to change my body, to take away some of the pain, but I was still left with a lot of these big emotional reactions to things and physical pain and my weight would fluctuate. So there was a lot of leftover stuff. And eventually after working with my naturopath for five or six years, she said, you know what, have you ever tried the spiritual approach to things? And I said, what, what does that mean? <laughs> she said, have you ever tried somatic experiencing or Reiki? And I said, well, I think I've had a Reiki session once years ago. And I liked it, but I don't know, I'd give it a try again. I told her, you know, at that point I'd, I'd eat grass if you told me to, and if it would help, I'd try it because I was at my wits end with just living in this body that was in so much physical and emotional pain. And so, yeah, I tried Reiki. And after my first Reiki session, I was anxiety free for three months. Wow. It was was instant. instant. It was the craziest, most spiritual experience that I had my brain back suddenly there was this space to think through things. The fear was gone. The, I just had this moment of pause in my life for the first time in about 12 years since my surgeries. And I dove into meditation. I joined a local spiritual community. I ended up learning about India and um, there was a meditation course I could take over there. So I ended up flying to India in 2019, taking a week long course there after I thought I'd never be traveling again because I'd had so many issues with my digestion and going abroad and eating different food was completely scary. Oh, especially India. especially India. I thought this is not going to go well, but I learned going to India, you can take your own food. It's different than other countries. So I packed an entire suitcase full of food. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) So after all of that, I came home and I just had this new appreciation, um, for Reiki, for meditation. I knew I wanted to learn more about it. And I knew that if I could be achieving this level of health and this level of understanding with my body, that was, I was having more energy. I was able to work more. I was taking fewer sick days. Uh, My mental health was more manageable. It was finally at a stage where I could think through and, you know, help myself and take a moment of pause instead of panicking. And it ended up leading me down this path of becoming a Reiki master of taking my level one, my level two of really learning to lean into my gifts. So on top of Reiki, I've also always been a medium. I didn't know what the word was, but I've been a medium. Um, I love doing Oracle card readings. I've just picked up energy really, really quickly. And so that's why I call myself an intuitive coach as well, because a lot of what I do is Reiki based, because that's kind of the foundation, but I also do a lot with almost the counseling side and therapy and the psychological side, the nervous system, as well as the spiritual side, because we're a holistic human being. And that's what's helped me the most. So if I can start to, to share what I've learned with someone else, that's really what got me started into wanting to run my own business too, and doing this full time. So it also led me down the path of finding out that I had PTSD Mm -hmm. that I've probably had it since young childhood, um, that I, I started seeking that diagnosis for myself and doctors eventually agreed and said, you're right. It's more than just depression and anxiety. There's a lot of overlap between these things, but we think you maybe have CPTSD as well. And that's what led me to really focusing on trauma 
um, as kind of a focus with Reiki and being a coach. There's lots of life coaches. There's lots of Reiki practitioners, but how can we use this energy for people like me that really needed that help, but we didn't know where to go because after a while it, it, it's hard to play the medical system, the Western medical system. When everyone keeps telling you your blood work looks normal, it's not in our blood, it's in our energy, it's in, it's in our muscles, it's in our nervous system. So mm. it's, it's been a wild five or six years now since I really kind of had that first spiritual experience again and started to dive into that world. That's kind of what's brought me here. <laughs> wow. Well, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and yeah. sharing your story like that, because yeah. I know that sometimes, and, and I mean, we'll talk about this more mm -hmm. too, but it's like, speaking about trauma mm -hmm. and speaking about the experience can bring it up in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. to be able to talk about it, but still be centered in who you are now, that's huge. Cause it's like yeah. you've moved through the healing. So yeah. I want to dive a little bit deeper into a couple things you talked about in your yeah. story. So first of all, for those people that are listening, because we have a lot of listeners that are just newly, you know, on the yeah. path of spirituality, like yourself, mm -hmm. who was trying a bunch of um, mainstream things, so to speak, mm -hmm. but then you were approached with some esoteric things and mm -hmm. Reiki and all that. So for those people listening that aren't really sure what Reiki is, maybe they've heard about it a couple of times, but can you, from your perspective, just go a little bit deeper into what Reiki is and what it means for you? Yeah, for sure. No, I'd love to. And a little more background on myself too. I was raised Roman Catholic. So mm. the idea <laughs> of alternative medicine was also very strange for a lot of people. If you're diving into spirituality, it can be really weird at first because we challenge these old belief systems that we have. So to suddenly believe in reincarnation or past lives can sound really woo woo or kind of out there. So right. Reiki in its most basic sense is a stress reduction technique. Um, it comes from Japan. Um, it originated in the early 1920s. So it has been around for about a hundred years now. Um, it's, I find it very similar to other chi like Chinese medicines or energy work or, you know, Native like American tai traditions. Chi and Qigong, that yeah, world as well. We all work with energy. So what okay. Reiki does is Reiki works with the seven chakras in our system. So it's the idea that we have these energy centers. Um, there's seven of them, the crown chakra at the top of our head, our third eye in between our eyebrows, our throat in our neck, um, our heart chakra in our chest, our solar plexus in our belly, our sacral and our reproductive organs and our hip bones, and then our root chakra all the way down to our legs. So each of these chakras governs a physical area of our body. It governs the energy of that area. It governs a emotional, an emotional level. And it also governs a spiritual element to us. So it's the idea of these different layers within us. But what I love about Reiki um, compared to some other traditions is that there's seven of these chakras. So it's really beginner friendly. It's really easy to get to know. And each chakra has a bit of a keyword or a bit of a kind of, you know, specific thing about it. So we all know the heart chakra, for example, is really well known. It's, that's our love chakra. Mm. So when we get to tune into our own energy, see what our body is saying. It's a way of connecting with our body. The mm -hmm. energy should flow just like our blood and our oxygen does. So we often hear the words blockages or things are stuck or we're feeling like unaligned. 
what that can mean is that we're holding tension, especially this is where the nervous system comes in. This is why I love that Reiki overlaps so well with like the Western medicine side. Our nervous system holds that energy in different chakras. We can hold our traumas in different chakras in different areas of our body. That's maybe why our shoulders are always tense. All of the pains and emotions in our body have that metaphysical side of them too. So we can start to learn about our body in a new light instead of seeing, Oh, my shoulders are sore. I need to relax the muscles by taking a muscle relaxant. We can start to say, Oh, well, what is the spiritual or emotional side of the shoulders? For example, the shoulders relate to carrying a lot of burden and responsibility. So where in our life do we carry too much weight? It's like Atlas, the statue, you know, the weight of the world on our shoulders. So how do we let some of that go? Oftentimes when we start to heal these emotional or kind of, you know, pressures that we have on us, the pain will start to ease up because we're listening to the body's messages. So did we need the pain meds? That's often where Reiki and alternative medicine starts to question things a little bit, that kind of traditional approach to, do we need something to numb or mask that pain? Oftentimes we do. I still love doctors. I think they're part of our medical team. I think that's really important to have a doctor or a massage therapist and Reiki can be part of that medical team too. So it's not just a spiritual thing. It's often looking at the body and what our pain means using the chakra system to kind of invoke some compassion instead of judgment within us. So hopefully that breaks it down a little bit. That's a long answer, but (laughs) yeah, no, I love it because it gave a very clear visual. I love that you broke it down by chakras Mm -hmm. and then by the external layers. Mm -hmm. So just to kind of recap, it's like we have these energy centers, which then if there is a blockage or the energy isn't flowing as it essentially is naturally supposed to, mm-hmm. then there's something for us to look at. And from what I'm hearing, um, it's like, and even from my own personal experience, it's like with traditional medicine and even in your experience, they look at the body yes. without the energy yep. and they just say that, well, there's nothing wrong in your body. Your blood looks good. Yeah. Your bones looks good. But then why are you still hurting? Yeah. And that's the thing is like emotion and, and trauma, emotional mm-hmm. pain and energy emotion. So I want to talk briefly about that then, mm-hmm. how are emotions and how are tra- how's trauma related and how can that yeah. cause the blockage, which then turns into the physical pain? Like, how does that all manifest? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, this little um, kind of circular chart that I, I've developed through working with clients and my own emotions too. From an energy and emotional point of view, we start at a calm state. That's kind of our baseline where the body wants to be. We start at step number one, where we're calm. Our nervous system is in its, you know, rest and digest mode and our healing mode. Then there's usually a triggering event or a stressor or the trauma. So for some of us, that might be a car accident for other people that could be a divorce for trauma is so dependent on your body and your body alone. It's so trauma is not just a, oh, I'm in a car crash. Therefore there's trauma. It could be Mm -hmm. someone said something not so kind to you and your body will receive that Mm -hmm. as trauma. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Trauma is fully dependent on your body and what triggers you. And that's often, that's a super, uh, that's a good point. It's a misperception that you have to be a first responder. You have to be a police officer who's been shot at. You have to be an army veteran. Those are forms of post-traumatic stress disorder, which typically relates to one key trauma, one major event. So things like natural disasters or a car accident. 
There is also CPTSD, which I hope soon is going to be in the DSM-5. <laughs> right now it's not recognized by the DSM-5, but it's very, it's very well studied. It's complex or cumulative post-traumatic stress mm. disorder. And what that means is, yes, like for my, for my own body, I have been through surgeries, my parents' divorce, a break in a relationship with my dad. I had to move at 17 for the first time in my life. That was a trauma to leave my farm and to move into a small town. Wow. It was overwhelming to be around so much noise because I had always lived on a farm. It was right. a completely different experience for so my your body. body is like like there's so much energy in your nervous system yeah. that it's not used to it. And yeah. even looking at these last two years, there could also be a lot of CPTSD yes. of losing yeah. your job, maybe breaking up with your partner. I mean, how many relationships have failed during this time of yeah. not being able to do something because you're, you made a certain choice about your health or yeah. whatever. Right. Yeah. Okay, I just wanted to point that out for sure. Yes. And I, I think that's something that will be heavily diagnosed for the next five or 10 years will be PTSD because what wow. trauma is and PTSD is it's a lasting emotional response. So if we come back to this little circle that I was mentioning, we start at the calm state, we have a stressor of some sort, stressful event, several stressful events, something that triggers our nervous system. And at its most basic, our nervous system's job is to keep us away from pain. It's to make sure that we don't experience too much pain or too much stress. So it starts sending signals to say, do we need to fight, flight, freeze, fawn, dissociate, numb? Which one of these are options are we gonna take? What do we need to do? From there, ideally in a perfect world, we have someone or we have some supports even within ourselves, we have enough knowledge to start to process that stressful event. That's kind of the downswing. We're starting to come back to normal state. We start to think, oh, maybe we, we were in a car accident, for example. You know, my insurance is going to cover this. I was checked out by some doctors. We did some tests and some scans, nothing's broken. We start to take that deep breath to say, oh, the trauma is done. The stress is coming down. We were, we're getting out of the danger zone. So in a normal world, you know, maybe we have some loved ones that say, hey, you're okay. How would I drive you around for a couple of days? So you don't have to stress or let's just stay home and take it easy for a while. We, we have this period of processing what happened, thinking through, could I have done anything differently? We start to review the situation. And then hopefully we get to integration. We get to that downswing back to the calm state where our body says, oh, this is the lesson. Now I know what to do next time. We've taken in the lessons and we can return to calm. The danger is done. Often though, where we get stuck is in that nervous system response. Maybe it's due to a lack of support. This often happens with um, trauma survivors, particularly around like assaults or you know harassment. Again, those things where maybe someone said an unkind word and we tell our partner and they say, well, who cares? It wasn't that big of a deal. Now we're internalizing that thinking something's wrong with me and the nervous system is still very upset. We're still very scared. We don't want to go back to work. Maybe this coworker had said something or in the car accident. Well, it could have been worse. You could have died where maybe they're invalidating it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that people can say or a lack of support. Maybe we don't have access to mental health support or a therapist or the doctor takes three weeks to get our test results back. And we're in a lot of pain and we don't get the prescriptions we need or things to help us through it. There's a lot of things that can interrupt that processing and integration stage. And that's where trauma starts to form because the nervous system now holds that energy thinking, 
it's not ending. I need to make sure this never happens again. This mm. sucked. <laughs> I never want this in my life again. Wow. So we start the process of holding and that's from a very physical point of view. Our muscles are tense. Our nervous system gets into hyper arousal. We are activated. We are hyper vigilant. We never get back to that calm state or we become more and more in the fight or flight stage. And we spend less time in the calm stage because everything seems to set us off. And those are called triggers where everything sets that nervous system off. So the healing process Trauma is a bit of a double-edged sword. Our nervous system wants to hold that energy because again, we never want the pain of the past to happen again. We're constantly on the lookout. Does this remind me of that old memory? Does this remind me of that old memory activated? But the beauty of the nervous system is too, is that we, it's elastic. We can go back into some of these original holding patterns and start to interrupt those thought processes, interrupt those old memories. Um, we can give ourselves support today that we needed 10 years ago, and we can still achieve healing because the nervous system doesn't know time. It just knows the pain. So it doesn't matter if we're healing the pain in the moment or if we're catching it 10, 15 years from now when we do have adequate supports or we are that adult. This especially happens with kids. Kids don't have access. We might, we might be five or six going through traumas and not know how to say, I need help. I need to go speak with a therapist. I need to talk to mom or dad. We don't know how to say that. So it might be 16 or 25 or 55. I work with a lot of clients that are in their sixties that are now saying, Janine, I think I have trauma. I think wow. that's what this is because for it, the first time they have some support. Right. So it's like, then we get into this world of inner child work because yeah. that is like you're going back in time yeah. to heal that child that was bullied or picked yeah. on or mom and dad divorced or something happened in that moment that you didn't have the tools to yeah. deal with. And so that's also another question I had is like, how yeah. does how does the inner child work relate no, let me have, let me phrase this a bit better. <laughs> so, there's just so many beautiful thoughts oh, I know. and energy, right? <laughs> this is great. Thank you so much. Wow. Yeah. I'm learning so much. <laughs> so, okay. So like, let's say you go through a traumatic childhood experience mm -hmm. where um, maybe your parents divorced at the age of five. Mm -hmm. Now your nervous system takes that energy, holds on to it, says, I never want to experience this again. And then you're in your thirties and you can't seem to be in a healthy mm -hmm. relationship. Yep. Is that how trauma would start to manifest if it's unhealed, like showing up as unhealthy relationships or maybe abusive yeah. partners? So yep. how do you, how do you heal that then that part yeah. of you? Like what, what's the work? Yeah, no, I think you've raised a whole bunch of stuff there. So that's beautiful. So <laughs> let's start with the idea that, yes, yeah, say we're five or six, or for my case, I was 13. What started to happen as I got into my teenage years was I held a tremendous amount of stress and fear around relationships because I had had surgery right around my uterus and my womb space. I had an incredible amount of scar tissue because my entire colon was removed. So for example, I was left with all of this fear around intimacy because I had just gone through so many wow. surgeries. And, and this was your sacral chakra. Yeah, that's correct? my sacral chakra. Remind yes. us back to, okay, got it. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. And a fun little note about the sacral chakra, our colon is a holding space for our emotions. It does not surprise me that I ended up having colitis when I did, I had held so many emotions. Again, the PTSD side, I had a lot of emotions in my family. I grew up, you know, in an alcoholic home, um, mm -hmm. kind of enabling and kind of narcissistic tendencies between my parents. And my dad was away a lot. 
So I didn't have, um, I, I would say I kind of have more of a disorganized attachment style, if anyone's familiar with those words too, where things were really hot and cold in my house. Mm. So I always tried to be the monkey in the middle, my mom used to call me, the mediator, the one in the middle of the arguments, trying to make sure everyone was calm, because that's the only way my little child brain said, maybe I could do something. Maybe I could like help the stress. So I held the emotion for my whole family. I was an empath. I took on energies. I didn't know those words yet. And no one really, they, they thought that was such a good thing. I was praised for that behavior. It was a good thing. I was the good girl. And a lot of us get those messages in childhood that, you know, we're holding the family together. We're doing a good job. Or you seem to have done just fine in life. We can be very high functioning with trauma. Yes. There's definitely that. Uh, <laughs> we can definitely hold a lot in. And it happens a lot internally. I can talk like this on a day that I'm having a breakdown because we're so, we get so good at masking those emotions too. But yeah, so long story short, now, when I was, you know, when people were saying, Janine, we should find you a boyfriend in high school and you should date someone and like, you know, let's go out on a group date and like, we'll set you up with someone. I was terrified. So I started to push friends away. I started to not hang out with those people because I thought you're not honoring and respecting that this is very scary for me, but they didn't have my experience. And teenagers are just weird. I mean, none of us know what we're doing as teenagers. <laughs> Teenage so, angst era. Exactly. So I just became kind of a loner that did my own thing. Like I had one friend by grade 12. I was like, what happened? But I thought maybe I'll go to college, get back into the swing of things, try to be more social. Maybe I'll make some friends. And yes, those traumas of being afraid of people getting close to me because they might hurt me too. That has carried well. Now I'm 29, just about 30. And I'm like, I'm still having trouble with relationships, but that's the beauty of doing the healing work is now I'm aware of that. I'm aware of where that comes from and getting aware of our triggers is one of the best things we can do for ourselves. So for example, I know that when I'm in a relationship, I tend to want to people please. There is that little girl inside of me that still wants to make sure there's no conflict. So it's really hard for me to say, you know what, that really pissed me off. That's not a sentence that will probably come out with a partner. I'm so nervous to say that. But knowing that now I can take a little more time for me, recognize I'm feeling really upset. I think that really did hurt with what they said hurt. And I need to acknowledge that somehow. Now I can find people in my life that are safe people that I can communicate those feelings to that they will reciprocate them and say, yeah, you seem really stressed today. Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Or I am sorry if that was really upsetting for you. I didn't even think about that trigger. You're right. That, that would have been hard to listen to. Please forgive me. We can find, they do exist. Those people do exist, <laughs> which yeah. is for a lot of years. My brain said, no, one's going to get it. You know, no, one's going to be able to help me through this. I'm on my own because I had lived many years on my own. So just like you said, there's definitely long-term side effects and actually PTSD is it's a brain injury too. It's known that our hippocampus gets smaller and our amygdala is bigger than the average neurotypical person without traumas. The beauty is the brain is elastic. Studies have shown that that can change, which is super great news. Like as early as the nineties, we had still thought the brain was pretty set in its ways, but we have since discovered like things are changing. The brain is quite elastic. So we have a lot of opportunity to do the healing. So like you said, Yay. what, do, what do we do with, how do we heal? I know that's such a refreshing so thing to exciting, hear, right? Cause we're not stuck. We're not stuck yes. as these, um, you know, we're not broken. I know you talk yeah. a lot about that. It's like yeah. something happened. Doesn't mean that we have to stay that way and we're broken and poor us. It's yeah. 
it's from what I'm hearing from you is like when we pick up something within us, a trigger within a relationship or with a friend or in our finances, or even with our parents, like who are the people that piss us off, right? Or the things. (laughs) So if we are able to, in those experiences, have the pause and the awareness to say, oh, this is something that is actually bothering me. Hmm. Why is that? Is that like, do you think that's a reasonable thing that people can start doing to become aware? Yeah. I always say awareness is step one, change is step two. If you've reached the level of awareness, you're doing better than most people. (laughs) Right. Not a lot of people get to awareness, which is about what your podcast is about too, right? The conscious human experience, this consciousness raising it's awareness, consciousness, intention, focus, whatever we want to call it. It's about becoming more in tune with what's happening inside of us. We Mm. spend so much of our life projecting and looking outside And especially with traumas, we don't want to look within that hurts. We don't want to go back into that stuff. It's scary. And it can be hard, right. To like, look at that little girl and that experience or even a recent trauma, or even Mm -hmm. like what happened during these past two years. It's like, so how, how do we have the courage to actually Mm -hmm. look at these things and to see that? I think one of the, the most important things when we're first starting with trauma healing it's okay to not do it on your own. It's okay to find supports and resources, which is exactly what I want to offer clients to. And I know what you're offering with your podcast, finding these people. That's how I ended up finding the CPTSD diagnosis was I was chatting with someone and her life story was my life story and her experiences and emotions were mine. And she said, you might just want to look into this. You might find it interesting. She wasn't going to diagnose me, but I could just almost hear her snickering going, yeah, you definitely have PTSD too. (laughs) Right. that led me down the path of going other people feel this way because for years it had just been diagnosed as depression or anxiety. And I think that PTSD gets misdiagnosed a lot, maybe as bipolar disorder, um, depression, anxiety, we get these labels, but does it actually fit? So doing that in doing that kind of investigative work into your own health is such a good first step to say, I deserve more. I know that I can live better than this. I know that there's that next, having that bit of hope for our future is really important, but also finding people that are those few steps ahead of you. Um, I had one person say, we're only ever a month or two ahead of our clients as coaches. And I loved that because I'm still actively in a healing process, which is amazing because I get to share what I learned with other people, but I had people help me get to this stage too. And that was the most impactful thing was finding that there's a community. So for example, there, um, one place that I went to, to start with was, um, actually, um, adult children of alcoholics group, Mm. because I started to recognize, I don't think I've ever actually labeled my family dynamic as there was alcoholism in my family. We didn't talk about it, but around 25, I was like, I think there's a word for what I went through. I think that word fits. So I started to find a support group and I learned that a lot of other people had grown up walking on eggshells. That a lot of other people were still in these really, you know, strange and stressful relationship dynamics because of the influence of alcohol had had on their family, even if they weren't the alcoholic. Alcoholism is a family disease. Now I know that too. So really getting familiar with, you know, what did you go through? Mm-hmm. And where could you find some supports? And if anyone needs help with that, you're more than welcome to message me because I've been through so many different things in my life that it can be kind of hard to put ourselves. Those first few phone calls to a therapist are so scary. I remember panicking or taking weeks to make those phone calls, but 
finding those people and don't be afraid to fire people. If they're not the right person, or if your therapist is telling you your trauma isn't valid, they're not the therapist for you. Go find someone else because we do exist out here that we understand it. Not everyone is trauma informed. And that can seem a little scary at first that we're putting ourselves in someone else's hands, but remembering that you have the control and the power still to make those decisions and find the people that are right for you. From there, once you have some of that support system and some of the basic knowledge, whether it's about Reiki or about, you know, your energy or your physical pains or, you know, the traumas that you've been through, we don't have to go back and visit those trauma memories yet. We can do that later with inner child healing and do that down the journey. But from that initial point of support, now we feel like we could start to handle a little bit more of that work at home Mm -hmm. on our own because it starts to become a little less stigmatized, a little less um, energized and potent we're starting to take away its power and giving it back to ourselves. We're starting to free up that blocked energy. So our body can start using it again. That's and often what we do. Flowing. Yeah. That's what we do during Reiki. We're freeing up that old energy that's stuck and letting our body move it where it needs to, to do the healing. So once you make that important first step, often so many things fall into place. Spirit and divine knows you're trying to heal. Here you go. Often mm-hmm. we'll get more resources than we need or more supports than we know what to do with. Right. But it's that first step. That's it's a big, brave step. People are really, it's tough, but because, because of the traumas we've been through that our nervous system often says people aren't safe. This isn't safe. We can challenge that a little bit and say, you know what? I deserve this. I know that I can do this somehow. Let, let me go gather the supports and resources that I've always needed, that I've always deserved, that I've always been worthy of. Can I get them for myself now? That's a really mm-hmm. big, important step to take. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I think back to when I was in university, Mm -hmm. just going off what you shared about asking for help. Mm -hmm. I would, I was going at the time, um, I don't remember specifically for what, but oh, this is what I went for. I was having like some breathing issues from when I was like a kid. Okay. And I was like, again, the person in the middle, like trying to support the family and I thought it was that my, my doctor was like, it's your adenoids, it's your tonsils. And so they did a surgery and removed those things, but into my teenage years, into my, you know, young adolescent, even in university, I would still have these like momentary, I didn't know at the time it was a panic attack or PTSD or all that, but basically I just felt like my throat was closing or my, I couldn't breathe. And I remember going to my university um, like doctor or like the on campus, you know, the med, med office. And they were like, no, your lungs look fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor goes, maybe you need to go over to that side, which was like yeah. the therapy, mm-hmm. mental health and wellness. And I got so freaked out. Mm-hmm. I just like never went back to like that, like med office again, because there was a taboo and a mm-hmm. shame that had come up for me around it. I was like, Oh, am I broken? There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with me. Like that was the Im- like um, instinctual thing of, yeah. no, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong. She's crazy. Mm-hmm. If she says there's nothing wrong with my lungs, it's fine. And this is way before I was into the world of energy work and conscious mm-hmm. awareness and stuff. But essentially like for, for those people listening out there, it's like they could be experiencing very similar things. Like they have mm-hmm. something come up and maybe we're talking about this and maybe there's something within them that's being triggered of, yeah. I don't need the help. I don't need this. Mm-hmm. How do we move through that taboo and through that shame of, well, 
I'm fine. I don't need help. Like mm. that egotistic, yeah. um, you know, wall sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's such a big question. And it's, it is, it's absolutely true. I remember the first times that I went to a therapist and one therapist told me about mindfulness and how it was absolutely going to change my life. And I needed to start practicing it. I never went back to her. I thought <laughs> she was nuts. I was like, this is stupid. How am I going to get out of my anxiety with thinking about it? You're wrong. <laughs> I never right. went back. One other uh, therapist had said I needed to befriend my anxiety. And I remember staring at her thinking like, <laughs> Anxiety feels like I'm dying. Why on earth would I ever sit with it and feel it? Like you have no idea what you're doing. If you think you want me to sit with this anxiety, I was so mad. You were not ready. I was not ready for those messages at the time. No, but then a few years later, I was like, oh, thanks for getting me started on this path. But no, I never went back to see those people. I was always so upset with what they said. So it is, I think getting past the shame of it, um, for me... And I think a lot of people who have traumas or, you know, have been through a lot in life have this kind of sense. And it comes from kind of the spiritual world too, that the shamans in communities are always the ones who have been through the worst. It's, it's those of us that have been through the crap. And some point in our life, we start to look around thinking, why can't I have a life like everybody else? There's that moment of question of like, I want to do this differently. And that's usually what sparked it within me thinking, something is wrong or maybe not correct or not as easy as I'd like it to be. Doctors or therapists are telling me like, it'll get better. It'll be fine. Or I'm, I'm okay, but I'm not. And there was always that moment of what am I going to do about it? I don't, I don't know. So there's been this kind of spiritual push in me that I hope this inspires other people to have too, or to really lean in, just even placing your hand on your heart, just why don't we why don't you just you know just guide them intuitively into maybe just feeling this because I'm sure a lot has come up for people listening yeah Yeah. no it's a good moment just to have a pause because when we're talking about traumas and stress it can be triggering it's an absolutely normal (sighs) reaction in the body too so just placing our hands on our heart and taking just a deep breath you can close your eyes for a minute if you want to if you're safe to do so if you're driving please keep driving (laughs) (laughs) do not do that just taking a moment to really reflect on your life. Do you want change? Do you deserve change? Are you worthy of living your best life? And even if there's some resistance there, one of the things I love to say is we honor all emotions, all vibes are welcome. So if your body is like, no, I I hate this. That's okay. We (laughs) honor you. We love you. That's an inner child coming forward who at some point in time didn't think we deserved it, who wasn't sure about life, who wasn't really sure how things were going to go, but Mm -hmm. let's be that adult right now, no matter what age we are, that we are going to be the one to break that cycle. We're going to be the one that gets to take care of us now. And that can bring up a lot of grief in itself. That thought that, well, why do I have to do this by myself? Why do I have to be responsible for my own emotions and feelings? Like I feel so much grief wanting to come up my, my own eyes right now. Mm -hmm. It can be really tough to look back and say like, nobody helped me. Mm -hmm. We're going to lean into that grief, lean into those emotions, whatever, or happiness. Maybe it's some joy. Like, yes, I do deserve this. I want this just lending you some of that courage. And what we often do during calls like this or during meditation events, we're co-regulating our nervous systems. 
So your nervous system is recognizing that my nervous system is kind of calm and it's kind of like, I want some of that. So just <laughs> leaning into this, it's kind of funny. People are like, I'm not really sure if I'd get this, but it's okay. Lean into it. Let your nervous system feel that same courage. Let your nervous system feel that same push. You are worthy. You are capable as well. And there are so many people in this world that want to love and support you like you deserve. Notice in your body, how does that feel? In case you're welcome to let me know too. How does that feel in your body? It feels, it feels like flow. Yeah. Like it feels like energy is flowing and I feel really like calm. Yeah. I can feel little sparks in my nervous system of like, like things kind of pushing through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I've done a lot of heart work this year or in the last couple of years. And so I don't feel as much anxiety or stuff yeah. in my heart. Yeah. but it feels, yeah, it feels, feels good. Yeah. And for anybody else listening, yeah. Tune in with your body, a really great way to check in with if we're feeling resistance or how we're feeling, notice your shoulders, notice your shoulders and your chest. It's one of the biggest areas in the body that will lean forward or back or crunch or scrunch or tense when we're feeling things. It's our heart chakra, our throat chakra. So if you're noticing my shoulders are quite curved forward, almost as if our back is bent forward, we're hunched a bit. What that's symbolic of is we're trying to protect our heart. We're giving ourselves a bit of a cavern. Someone would have to come in, into our chest. They'd have to get through a lot of blocking and pushing with our arms and movement. We could push them away if we wanted to. So if we're feeling a little closed, often our chest is very tight, which is anxiety, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, holding tension in our, in our shoulders and our jaw. Those are points of control in our body. If we notice our shoulders are quite neutral, Usually mine are when I'm doing classes or talks, they're quite neutral. They're not super open, like down and back and our chest forward. That's very heart chakra. We're leading with our heart. We're feeling very vulnerable and open, but very safe to do so. If our shoulders are quite neutral, we're finding that flow. We're in our balance. Our spine is nice and tall. That means we're in alignment. The energy is flowing. We notice we're wanting to crunch a little bit. Our head and our neck is tense kind of you know feeling some restriction maybe things aren't as smooth or as flowing as we'd like them to be so just taking stock of your body noticing and noticing without the judgment that's something that we often talk about in meditation or in the spiritual world is noticing without the judgment and what we mean by that is kind of what i said before whatever is coming up in your body is a message the beauty of tuning into messages that i think we don't talk about enough is that the body is sending this signal. So say your shoulders are really tense or our jaw is tense, or maybe we're even feeling like crying because we're talking about trauma. And this is bringing up a lot for our listeners. What can happen is the body is at a point where it's trying to, you know, I always said my divine likes to have, you know, hit me over the head with a frying pan to get my attention. Our body is screaming for us to listen. So often those are big pains, those anxiety attacks, those frustrations, like, oh my God, it's overwhelming because the body's trying so hard to get our conscious awareness. Once we start tuning in saying, oh, I'm experiencing a lot right now. Wow. This is so much. Thank you body for telling me this. Thank Mm -hmm. you for trying to get my attention. Notice if that pain starts to immediately lessen or our chest, we can take a deep breath. Often our body's like, ah, they got it. They got the message. Good. We can tune, we can tone it down a little bit. And the more practice we get with tuning in and catching these little messages and these little subtle things sooner and sooner, 
the less our body has to get to that 10 out of 10, that big pain, that big emotion, we start to catch it sooner. So a good example of this is, you know, that day when you're going to work, but you don't really want to go to work because you think you should take a sick day, but we all push ourselves to go anyway, because <laughs> either we don't have sick time, depending on our country, or we've used it up, or we don't want to be that lazy employee. And we know there's a big project. We push ourselves. Mm. And then maybe we go and do all of our social stuff after work, get all of our running around done. And we come home and we are exhausted and our back hurts and our head hurts and we're tired. So we go to bed, but we get up the next day feeling the same and we do it again. And we do it again and again and again. We're missing those little signals along the way that the body has been trying to send us the fatigue, the pain, the headaches. We're trying sometimes, of course, there are times where we do have to push, like we can't maybe always miss appointments. We can't miss every day of work, but what are we doing to support those body sensations? What are we doing to say, thank you? Okay. My back is sore. Maybe I could do some stretches in between my meetings today. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm feeling really tired. Maybe I could sit down in my car or, you know, take a 15 minute nap at home for anyone with kids or something. Maybe we could plan a calm activity instead of, you know, going to the park tonight, like we wanted to, what could I do instead that supports my body and what it's trying to say right now? We often miss that part. And then eventually it gets to the point where we are so sick. Now we need to take a short-term disability leave from work. Now we're so sick that we have a disease. Now that we're so sick that it has manifested as something really big because our body needs us to stop. So mm. by tuning into those subtler messages, we can start to intervene and allow our body to calm down so much sooner. And that that's another important thing with Reiki, with energy healing, we really learn to tune inwards to that energy and to those subtle signals so that, yeah, we don't have to experience that huge pain. And I always like to say this as well, whenever I talk about pains, so much of this happens at an unconscious level. So if you're sitting there like, oh my God, I'm on a short-term disability leave right now, I screwed up. That's not at all what this message is about. It's about just noticing yeah, I got to a certain point where my body has really told me this big message. And now I know what to do. Now I know how my mm -hmm. body manifests pain or manifests these big sing signals. It was unconscious. We've brought it into the conscious now. And that's awareness. That's step one. Now change is step two. This is where next time we're starting to feel that same stiffness or overwhelm at work or in life or relationships. Now we know, hey, remember how this went last time? What if I did some like healthier coping mechanisms? What if I like tried a few support systems or tried some stuff before it gets that bad again? Now we're actively changing our old patterns. So being very non-judgmental with that, a lot of our pains come from the unconscious until we become aware of them. Mm, and that's exactly what the conscious human experience mm -hmm. is, right? Yeah. It's like we go through life, we have these experiences and based on previous patterns, our nervous system will try to save us or help us. It's when we become, like you said, just tune in, take that conscious moment, that awareness to see this is happening without judging it as good or bad or yeah. ugly or whatever, just mm -hmm. seeing it and observing mm -hmm. and then moving through it and taking the action. Mm -hmm. and, and something that I would love to touch on too mm -hmm. is how can we bring consciousness to trauma consciousness to these experiences without trying to rush our healing hmm. 
Yeah. That's the age old <laughs> question when it comes to <laughs> healing or like any kind of work, self-improvement work. We want it to happen yesterday. We, we want wanted to get to be, it done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we wanted to have the certificate up on our wall and it's never going to come back. Um, I think there's, there's a number of good little exercises I can share as well about the action part. I know we've been talking a lot about the actions and I would love to share a few exercises. Please. Now yeah. that we've raised the awareness, we can talk a little bit about the how to's or some steps we can take, but to answer the question about how do we, how do we, it was, how do we raise the consciousness, right? Like, how do we yeah. like, cause, cause we've talked about how mm -hmm. to see the trauma now, right? Mm -hmm. We're like, it comes up, the trigger comes up, mm -hmm. the memory, the emotion comes up. But how do we move through it without trying to rush? Yeah. There's a song yeah. by Trevor Hall called You Can't Rush Your Healing. Yeah. And I'm like, my yeah. husband and I are always just like <laughs> laughing, like, Casey, you can't rush your healing or whatever. Yeah. But it's 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 so true. And I want to, I guess, I, I would yeah. love to hear your take on like, how do we not yeah. do that? Yeah. It's something that I've learned along my journey too, is I, I want it to be done. I want it to be over with. I want it to be perfect again. The thing that we're, we're not, how do I want to word this? In a lot of ways, healing in itself, that word comes with a lot of connotation of an mm -hmm. ending. Right. What we're doing is it we're healing. It's an, it's an, it's an action. We're <laughs> continually doing this. So it is a lifelong journey. And I know people, I hated that the first time someone told me like your healing never ends. I think I wanted to slam the door in their face and walk out. <laughs> so I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I came here to get this done. And now you're telling me it's not done and it's never going to be done because that often leads us to that panic of I'm going to be stuck here forever. What I like to describe is from Shrek. <laughs> Remember the point where he's saying, no, I, I'm like an onion. I have layers. Layers, right? The thing about an onion is when you peel it, and it's kind of funny, grab an onion at home and try this. The outside layers are the thickest. They're the mm. thickest and the toughest to remove. That's like the protection. That's the trauma layer. That is the piece of us that has gotten so thick and so stubborn and so stuck because mm. we've had to, we've had to grow like that. All of our traumas and all of these nervous system sensations, they've led to survival. They have served a purpose. So when we say healing, it often invokes this, like, I want to get rid of that. I want to, what we want to do is honor those experiences that this has brought me a lot of resiliency. How can I use mm -hmm. this in a healthier way, maybe in a less stressful way moving forward? But just like that onion, the first time we're doing therapy work, the first phone calls we make with our doctor to say, I want to talk about this because I'm, I'm still not doing well. Like I need more out of you than this. They're so stressful. That first layer is so hard to peel. And the second layer can be just as tough. You know, it's that thick. That's all the emotions. Now we're telling a therapist about our childhood and God, do I have to do this for an hour every week to, to get ahead? And what is journaling? And we're still in that stage of learning. It's like, we're little toddlers trying to figure it out and having all these big emotions and throwing tantrums because our nervous system is like, I I'm purposely trying to stay away from this. Remember, we're trying to avoid the pain. What are we doing? Like, what's the safety? Where are we? So those first few layers are tough. But if we keep going in that onion, not only do they get thinner, they also get smaller as we get closer to that core. So what I've experienced over about like five years now of really dedicated healing, having had my Reiki certifications, traveling to India, all these different really spiritual experiences is that, yeah, those first few months, those first few years were tough because I wasn't sure if I was finding success with the therapy. 
now knowing what I do, I should have found a different therapist. I didn't know Mm -hmm. that at the time. I wasn't aware that I could go to someone else. I thought that was kind of like a contractual thing. And I felt the people pleaser in me is like, I just want to make, they're doing a good job, I guess. Like I didn't know, but now it's gotten easier. So like, for example, this last weekend, Mercury was conjunct with Pluto and I'm not super, I'm learning about astrology, but when I was doing some research, the very first thing it said was beware of depression, beware of your mood swinging. Like there's a lot of emotional depths coming forward. I had a really hard mental health weekend. I was really bad, but what I, what was different about this weekend versus maybe five years ago was I knew that I had a therapy visit booked was that I knew that I had some friends I could reach out to, that I had a lot of tools and resources. So I had a lot of hot baths. I gave myself Mm. some time off. I focused on the self-care and I got out of it in a couple of days. So by about Monday afternoon, I was starting to feel better. That used to take me months to get through a depressive episode like that. So we start to notice that those months and those weeks of pain start to become less and less, even if it's an hour at a time or 10 minutes at a time, those layers become smaller and smaller. So healing in itself is an action. We're unpacking the big stuff, but it does get easier. So it's never going to go away because yeah, for sure. A pandemic hits. None of us, like, <laughs> not many people, I guess, around the world, you know, kind of predicted and planned out how we would behave and act and what we would do in an emergency situation like this across the world. So we've had to really, um, we've had to figure it out. That's a stress. It doesn't have to become a trauma. But for a lot of us, we're now dealing with this again. So those of us that have supports, I often say that people with mental illness or chronic pains have probably done the best during the pandemic because we already knew how to support ourselves or we had some tools. We had that inkling that we might need some extra support for people who have never been through stress before. This could be very traumatic for them that they don't know how to reach out to a therapist. They're not sure who's available in their area. So I think with healing, It's a lifelong process that builds resiliency. We're building our capacity to carry and hold more energy, more calm, more abundance. So we're, we're growing our capacity while shrinking the fear, but that fear is always going to come up. We're humans. We have a human life and experience, but it's how we're going to be able to handle it in five years. That will be very different if we start doing this trauma healing and the work. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. It's like a bounce back muscle and it gets stronger and stronger. So something that may have affected you 10 times more five years ago, because your nervous system was not as strong because it had so much going on. You didn't have the tools. Your mindset was different. Now, if that were to happen, you're quicker, you're able to bounce back quicker and you have the tools. So in terms of like, speaking of tools, I would love for you to share some tools that our listeners can use, you know, starting today, starting now to really compassionately start their healing journey or continue it if they've been on it for a while. Yeah. I think there's a few that I love to teach and we've talked a little bit about inner child healing. So I'll start Mm -hmm. with those first. And then I'm also going to share some like somatic tips about how to deal with the nervous system when we get stressed, because there's a lot of fun little hacks we can do to calm the body down in those moments of panic that Mm -hmm. I have found really work for myself. So I'd love to share those. Yeah. So with inner child healing, I know we've talked a lot about that today. So I'll give a basic definition of how I view inner child healing. Our inner child is any version of us that's younger. 
it's any past age. Oftentimes we think like, oh, that's five or six-year-old me. We're asked to find like baby photos or we're really, we focus on like the infantile self. But for a lot of us, like my inner five-year-old was the happiest go luckiest girl. She hadn't experienced a lot of stress yet until about age six and seven, which I think is when I started school. And I think there was more pressure and more just, I think that's when a lot of my mental health stuff started to come to the surface more. There's this huge change in my photos between age five and age six. And I'm like, where did I go? (laughs) What happened? Mm. So the inner child doesn't have to be our infant self. It can be any version. So for me, I often deal with my teenage selves because they're the ones that went through a lot of weird emotions (laughs) because I have no idea what to do with my emotions at any point in my life. (laughs) So teenage years were pretty rocky. So the inner child healing process is kind of recognizing that our nervous system and our body, our energy, our spirit, we have that younger version of ourselves that didn't get the healing it needed, that there is something missing. And now we've held on the stress. We are still in the past in that memory somewhere. So it's the idea that we as adults now with supports and resources, skills and tools can give that inner child what we needed. So there's inner child healing. We may also hear the word reparenting. So there's a little bit of a difference. Inner child healing is yes, actively focusing on those younger ages, what we needed, maybe doing some meditations and visualizing our younger self, kind of having a conversation. When my inner children come up, I often feel them. Like my inner 16 year old will have some snarky comment. I'm like, was that Janine in the present? Or was that like sassy one that was having some trouble? Like, Because the nervous system will hijack us like that. Where inner child suddenly, that's why oftentimes with um, survivors of trauma, we feel a little bit infantile, a little bit childish sometimes. Like my reaction didn't make sense to this moment. Like, Mm -hmm. what did I do? It's often our inner children coming forward to kind of take over. Mm -hmm. So there's inner child healing, focusing on that inner child experience. Reparenting is the idea that we can now parent ourselves We can give ourselves that love or encouragement, whatever was missing. So Mm -hmm. for me, for example, I often felt like attention was missing sometimes because both my mom was a stay at home mom, constantly busy. My dad was always at work. I had a younger brother. I was kind of the second adult of the house more so than the first child. So I missed a lot of the attention, you know, just having someone look over my tests with me or, you know, sit down and watch TV with me. So what I can do now for myself as an adult is make that conscious focus time. It's Janine time. And Mm. often that we think, oh, that's so selfish. Like, I don't need that. But yes, there is a piece of us that missed that fundamentally growing up. And it can be very soothing to really validate and affirm that now as adults, it really boosts our mood when we can say, I didn't get this. I love myself enough now to give it to myself. Even if that brings up grief about, you know, someone didn't give it to me. I can do that for myself now. So how would that that session with yourself, that reparenting session, so to speak, where you give attention to your inner child, like how would that look? Um, yeah. So reparenting would be like, uh, for me, it's often those conscious focused moments throughout the day mm-hmm. of recognizing I love soft things, for example. So I've got this pillow that's super soft wearing my coziest shirt. Mm. This is a nice big cushy chair that I do all <laughs> of my work in. Yeah. Um, this is how I'm setting up my life the way I wish I would have had it as a kid. I did not like sitting in desks. I couldn't sit still. I needed fidget things. I wanted to spin pencils. I often just like touch my fingertips. I wanted those fidgets. Um, This is also why I'm seeking an ADHD diagnosis because I think that's been missing in my life too. 
So there's that want and desire for comfort. So I will take blankets with me places. I will take pillows mm. and I try not to view it as stupid or childish or like, why do I need this? I'm an adult. Like I shouldn't be doing this. I'll wear my coziest socks. It's something as small as that to say, I like this and I'm going to honor the fact that I like this regardless of what other people think. So I was the person that took pillows and blankets to work, not because I wanted to have a nap, but just because it was really soothing, cozy, cozy. It was nice. Why do we sit at hard chairs all day without like I took tea and (laughs) I had my crystals with me. So it's all those little things. Um, When we're doing focused inner child healing, what I could do, for example, um, say we're having kind of a tough day or even a good day we can kind of do a little meditation where we just tune inward and say, what does my inner child need today? What Mm -hmm. age is coming forward? You know, is there anyone that wants to speak? What do I need today? So for example, today, if I kind of tune in my, that inner 16 year old is kind of present. She wants to come out. She's like, I don't like talking about this stuff. There's that piece Mm -hmm. of me that's like, Ooh, trauma. I'm hitting my edges a little bit where it's like, Oh yeah, there's a memory but it's easy for me to talk about it. I've been doing this since I was like 13, talking to doctors about traumas and what I've been through. But the inner 16 year old is like, but do I have to? So after this call, I might take some silent time to myself. You know, I might take some time where I watch TV and distract myself. Not that that's a perfect coping mechanism and we have to do it all the time, but trauma is a heavy topic. I recognize that my body's going to need a break. So right. that would be the inner child that's coming forward to say, Ooh, we taught, we, we said a lot today. Are we okay? Now mm-hmm. I can step in to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to do some nervous system soothing. I recognize this has been a, a long day or a tough day. Um, even things like going to the hospital for me, I know it's super triggering because that's where a lot of my trauma happened. So we mm-hmm. often have these kind of places or people that we get triggered around. So I take blankets, I take Netflix, I take my headphones, I take water, I dress in my warmest clothes. There's all these little actions I can take to myself that just nobody else around notices, but it's really symbolic to me to say, I know what I need and I'm going to honor that for us because we didn't get that warmth. That was always cold in hospital because hospitals are just a chilly place. I wanted to be warm. So I can now kind of recreate that as an adult to give myself what I needed. So those are a few examples of kind of what that might look like. Beautiful. My inner child is like, think like seven yeah. she's just like it's like oh i just love janine just give her a hug like my heart is just like so yeah and like hearing each other's stories and being present for each other's uh, what was the term you used earlier it was like the nervous system like calibrates with one another it was yeah, like co-regulation co-regulation yeah. so mm-hmm. even with that with this t- talking about the inner child and healing it's like Co- that co-regulation brings up those inner child emotions between both of us. And I'm sure even our listeners, yeah. like me hearing you talk about the coziness of bringing the blankets. And I'm like reminded of, oh, that totally makes sense. That's why I have these beautiful pictures by my, yeah. you know, um, yeah. table. I have my altar behind me. Mm-hmm. I like pretty mugs and it's not a bad thing. It's just yeah. Yeah. honoring that inner child mm-hmm and loving her and, and holding her or him so that you can truly just know that you're safe and protected. And as adults, you can actually take care of them. And I think of even like moving, for example, I moved to Canada when I was five from India. So it was, it was like for the first time in my life, moving to another country, Mm -hmm. it's cold. 
I'm like, what is happening here? It's freezing. The kids look different. They talk different. They're making fun of me. But then I think of the instability and now I realize, oh, that's why I want to have so much stability Mm -hmm. for my inner child. Mm -hmm. So thank you for that. It just brought up a lot of clarity and I'm sure people listening are having like light bulb moments Mm -hmm. as well. And I want to also just say that for anyone listening, if you are like, Hey, I want something to, I want to share. You can always email me. You can email Janine about whatever insights came through, regardless of whether you want to work with us or not. But if you want to share, I think those are such great opportunities because we're right here with you in this Trinity, in this conversation holding space. Yeah. So that's a beautiful thing. And I love that. It's it is so nice. It's I I recommend it to anybody. Yeah, reach out to your favorite teachers, um, especially like I'm a small business owner. This is you know my first full official year of business, even yeah. though I've been like practicing and doing these things for so long. And it's uh, it's amazing to get emails from people. It's so healing for me. Mm. It's so healing to hold space for other people, knowing that maybe my words made a difference. And I, it doesn't matter how deep or dark things are, or you know how stressful, or you know we think, oh, someone else won't get it. You're more than welcome to reach out. I'm sure to either of us to, yeah. to message and say hello because we've we've both lived through some stuff. Like we've yeah. both been through, and a we're, lot. Human. we're human. We're here just because we're you know recording this podcast doesn't mean we're any different. It's it's mm-hmm. very much that you know, like you said earlier, the, those of us that have been through so much trauma have really moved through it. And now we see the value in the tools that we've learned that now we want to make sure that people out there are like, you know, they know they're not alone and that they have the resources. And this is what this new generation of expansion of humanity looks like, right. Is really just helping one another because as one heals, we all heal. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So yeah. I would love um, for you to continue because I know you wanted to share yeah. some more action yeah. steps of what we can do when we're in the actual experience. So if we're having yes. a panic attack or anxiety or we're triggered, what are some things we can do in those moments? Yeah. So for those of us on the call that know we have trauma or we know we have depression or anxiety, you know, when your body's getting triggered, you, you typically know what that sensation feels like. Even if you brainstorm some things right now, like for mm-hmm. me, I have this very strange thing with my face, my face muscles want to get really tight and I feel them. Mm-hmm. So that's usually my first indication that my whole third eye is like, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I'm trying to scrunch so hard. Like, don't make me look at the world. I don't want to see anything. I want to like block it out, cover my ears and just stay at home. I can feel my heart, like do the thing of like, "Eh," and I'm like, no, consciously just open. Yep. It's those little things that we typically know, maybe it's hand shaking or we get really cold and sweaty, whatever Mm. that is for you. When you need kind of that interrupting of the nervous system. One thing that I love to teach is if you take your right palm, you're going to place it in your left armpit. You're going to put a little bit of pressure with your fingertips, mm-hmm. just enough pressure. It's called deep pressure. And you're going to bring mm-hmm. your arm back down. So what I also like to do for those of you that can see is take that left palm and place it over top of your right so that your hands are palms on top of each other over your heart. Your left side is your heart. And we can hold this for one to two minutes. So for those of us uh, that the, the listeners that are just listening, mm-hmm. just to recap the steps is you yeah. take your right palm, okay. you're going to place it in your left armpit mm-hmm. finger, little bit of pressure with your right fingertips into your left armpit. You can bring your left arm down to just a comfortable resting position. So your hand is in your armpit and we're going to hold this for one to two minutes. 
what this does is it works with the vagus nerve on the side of our body. So we're giving ourselves deep touch. So kind of as if we're receiving a big hug, we're using a weighted blanket. This is one that we can hold just for a couple minutes. And it's usually about 30 seconds to a minute. The thing that I notice is I can suddenly take a deep breath. That's mm-hmm. how I know like, I oh, that. there's the nervous system again. Oh, what yeah, we're I doing is interrupting that nervous system's old habit. We're saying, Mm-mm-mm, we don't want to go down that old, old same train track. Let's try something new. So we're going to kind of pause that big reaction. So it's a really great one. That's a bit of an SOS or a bit of an emergency. It's just a couple minutes. And the beautiful thing is if you take that left hand, put it in your right armpit. Now it just looks like you're kind of cold. You could kind of just tell someone like, "Eh, I'm just hanging out. This is just comfortable. It's EFT tapping is wonderful, but often we do that, you know, tapping practice. We're tapping on our head. We're tapping Mm -hmm. on our, our, um, under our eyes. We're tapping our collarbone. People might look at that kind of conspicuously (laughs) if we're having a panic attack in a meeting or at a hockey or a coffee shop with our family. Like, what are you doing? So these are just quick little things you can do that are quite Mm -hmm. inconspicuous. So that one's a nice one. Another one that I like, that's really good for racing thoughts, especially if we're like, oh yeah, this is brought up a lot. You know, how am I going to be after this podcast? Now I'm going to sit with all my traumas. Something that might be nice is take any one of your fingertips. You're going to place it inside of your ear. We have headphones in, so I won't take mine out, (laughs) but you're going to put your finger in your ear. There's that little wall or kind of as far back as it'll go. We don't have to push, but we're just going to rub in circles along that little wall at the back of our ear. So again, any fingertip, any hand, either ear, the pinky tends to work best for me. I find the index finger a little overwhelming. It's quite loud. The pinky is a little bit easier if you're sensitive to noise and just little circles. Doesn't matter what direction. It's just the rubbing motion. We're helping the third eye. It's another nervous system kind of technique. Uh, I saw this from a counselor on Instagram and I just, mm-hmm. I loved this. I thought this is so weird, but it does actually work. <laughs> doesn't matter what ear or what no, finger. It doesn't matter. Fine. Either no. ear. Okay. It's super flexible. So either ear, any finger and just do that for a minute or two. Mm-hmm. And then when you take your fingers out, typically my brain is silent. It's mm-hmm. the most silence I have wow. had in my brain for like five or six years because of all the anxiety wow. thoughts that come up. So it's really great for intrusive thoughts. It's just mm-hmm. another little nervous system hack that works really well. Amazing. Okay. Those are great. Yeah. So you guys listening, you know, if there's something going on in that moment, remember arm under armpit, fingers under armpit and fingers in the ear just yep. to make it like super simple. Yep. Yep. And of course, rewind, listen to the specifics of it, yep. but you know, fingers under armpit, fingers in ear. <laughs> yep. And it's there's they seem so simple, you know, yeah. how does this work? But from an energy point of view too, this is our heart chakra. The first mm-hmm. one that we did when we're using our hands and our arms and our armpit, we're creating structure and safety over top of our heart chakra by our arms. They've got a lot of bones, a lot of muscles. So we're symbolically protecting our heart. So if we're feeling really vulnerable or scared from an energy point of view, we're providing ourselves like a shield. We're armoring a little bit. Mm -hmm. And with the inner ear, that's our third eye. So we're directly kind of influencing this trust and instinct center in our chakra system. So it's a beautiful way to just slow down some of those intrusive racing thoughts, give our third eye a little more space to breathe. We're helping those thoughts in the brain right here next to our ears. It's just that little interruption to help the third eye feel a little more soothed, a little more confident that we can trust our own thoughts. We can think clearly Um, Mm. from an energy point of view. They work really well too. Yeah. Wow. 
Well, Janine, you have brought so much value today. (laughs) Like, I just feel like, I mean, it's been almost an hour and a half, but I feel like this, we could go on about this and your expertise (laughs) for days (laughs) for days. And there's just so much to unpack, right? There's so many layers. And I just am so grateful that you've given us, you know, a conceptual like idea of what this looks like, but then also a actual physical, what can we do? How can we see it? How can we be aware? So I really, really appreciate that. Now, before we kind of dive into our last section, um, where I'd love for you to talk a little bit about just how people can reach you and, you know, just how they can work with you. Cause I do want mm-hmm. to give them the option and the opportunity to, to connect with you on the different channels you have, but also your work. Um, do you have any like final thoughts or anything in closing that you'd like to share with, with any of the audience members? Yeah. Well, no, thank you so, so much for this conversation today. Uh, I, I knew we knew it was going to flow so easily. And we thought, you know, how long is this going to be? What's it going to look like? But when we get talking about trauma, it's such, like you said, there's so much to unpack. There's so much to, t- to talk about, but just knowing that this is, yeah, this is the tip of the iceberg. So I hope this gives people a good insight as to what the nervous system is capable of, what we can do to heal, that healing is possible, no matter how many years it's been since our trauma, because that nervous system is a double-edged sword it doesn't know time so we can be hijacked or kind of feel overwhelmed by it at times but we can also really insert ourselves back into those memories which is a whole other topic to help us soothe that inner child and that younger version of us that went through those events and again younger version can be two years ago two days ago whatever we need there's there's a lot of healing that's possible we can change our brain again it's it's nothing permanent and i always say with ptsd i'll never not have the experiences but i can change my relationship to them i can now see them in different lights or heal that i i can complete that emotional kind of loop to, to get to a better space. So yes, we can absolutely do a lot of healing and a lot of work with PTSD. And if anyone wants support, again, you're welcome to reach out to me. My email address that's easiest to get a hold of me at is probably info at intuitionawakening.com. And I'll send that to Casey as well. Yeah. We'll put that in the notes yeah. below and, and whoever's listening, you can definitely click on any of the links and yeah. connect directly with her there. For sure. And if you do know that, you know, our energies connect, you felt a strong vibration. I firmly believe in divine clients and divine contracts. So Mm -hmm. no matter when you've heard this or how you've heard about it, just know that you're in the right space at the right time. And I'm so thankful that you're here listening all the way to the end with us. So if you'd like to work together, I do offer half an hour calls. Um, They're just a really great introduction for only $50. They're a really nice way just to connect and say, hello, we can discuss your health and wellness concerns, kind of how I might approach them or how we could, you know, teach you to heal some of these issues. I've worked with anyone who has PTSD to, uh, you know, a broken back to, um, you know, childhood traumas and assaults, things that I've been through as well. So a lot of what I do is based on experience, which I think brings a lot of value. And I do have, you know, term programs that we can work one-on-one for eight weeks, all the way up to 12 months uh, or beyond. I love getting to see someone not only work through awareness and change, those are the first two steps. We can also get to integrating and automating Mm. new habits and new healthier choices in our body and our lifestyles and the way we, we can really change change our lives in a lot of ways. And I love to see clients through that whole process. So you're more than welcome to visit my website, which is intuitionawakening.com for all that information. And if it calls to you, I can't wait to work together. 
Yeah. And I would also recommend checking Janine out on Insight Timer. She's an amazing teacher there. That's actually how we connected. Um, She hosts live. So you can actually chat with her there. Um, She has a a lot of really great meditations. And I know that she's going to be launching a lot more in the near future. Mm -hmm. And Insight Timer, if for those of you that haven't heard about it, is a really great meditation app. I would highly recommend downloading it. We'll link Janine's teacher profile below as well. So you can, you know, connect with her directly there too. Um, But yeah, Janine, thank you so much again Mm -hmm. for your time. Thank you for the experiences that you've been through in your life that have now helped you become the person you are today Mm -hmm. to be able to, you know, help and heal, help heal the person that is listening now. So Mm -hmm just really grateful for your presence. And I really appreciate you. And I know that we're going to be doing a lot of amazing things together. And, you know, there's no coincidences in life. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's listening. It's a pleasure to get to share this knowledge with you. It's something I've always hoped that eventually one day my experiences might be worth something, you know, other than just the stress or the the (laughs) craziness of what I've been through. So thank you for honoring and listening to my stories today and giving me the space to speak. It's, it's so healing when we have these spaces to use our voice, to share what we've been through. So yeah, it's, it's been awesome to connect. Uh, Yeah. I can't wait to see what we do in the future together as well. I'm sure this will definitely not be the last thing we do. (laughs) Absolutely. And for those of you beautiful souls listening, you know, this has been a lot today. There's been a lot of stuff packed into this 90 minutes. I know my heart is just like, whoa, there's a lot and it's beautiful. And it's, you know, I would recommend after this, just with any podcast that I release, as you all know, it's just, you know, I really want to invite you to take that moment to be aware Mm -hmm. and to be conscious about what you have just consumed. This is conscious consumption. So just take some time, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, breathe, go for a walk, drink some water, drink water, maybe drink some delicious hot cacao. I think I'm Mm going to go do that, (laughs) but take some time for yourself. It's really important. There's going to be a lot of learning that your brain is doing even later tonight as you sleep, you may have aha moments or stuff like that. And so again, just take care of yourself and stay conscious. And thank you so much for tuning in. We love all of you.